You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is Nancy Lieberman. Nancy is that rare individual who has had both a successful playing and coaching career, and her career highlights are so many that this introduction is quite a long one. She grew up in Queens in New York, learning to play basketball on the courts of Harlem. And then, as a high school senior, she represented the USA at the Olympics and won a silver medal. From 1976 to 1980, she attended Old Dominion University in Virginia and played on the team that won two national championships. In 1980, she was selected with the first pick in the Women's Pro League draft by the Dallas Diamonds. Then in 1981, she played for the Los Angeles Lakers men's summer pro league team under the future Hall of Famer, Pat Riley. In 1986, she signed with Springfield fame of the Men's Professional United States Basketball League and later toured with the Washington Generals, who served as the regular opponent of the Harlem Globetrotters. In the newly formed WNBA's inaugural year in 1997, she played for the Phoenix Mercury and at the age of 39 was the WNBA's oldest player. She transitioned into coaching in 1998 as the head coach of the WNBA team, the Detroit Shock. In 2009, she then became the coach of the Texas Legends in the NBA Development League, an affiliate of the Dallas Mavericks, then becoming the first woman to coach a professional men's basketball team. 
In 2015, she was hired by the Sacramento Kings as an assistant coach, becoming the second female assistant coach in NBA history. And then in 2018, she was hired as the head coach of the power in the Big Three League and led the team to the championship in her first year. There are so many highlights in this interview. The amazing story she shares about her friend Muhammad Ali and what he taught her about the importance of loving kindness, the importance of empathy when it comes to getting athletes to act, and her view that a champion is the one who lifts everybody else on their shoulders, not the opposite. We were very lucky to get this interview with Nancy, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Here at the Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us. You can support our project, get exclusive content and early access to the Great Coaches Collection by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be a part of this journey are in the show notes. And now, please enjoy our interview with Nancy Lieberman. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Nancy Lieberman, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm very excited to talk a little bit of basketball with you today and, of course, go through your long and storied career, which goes all the way from Brooklyn through to your present boss, which is, of course, Ice Cube. But I'm sure we'll get to that as we go along. It's, uh, it's pretty unbelievable when uh, you, you get to this point in your career and you've gone to the WNBA and the NBA and Olympics and all this other stuff. And the, 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 the cool part is, yes, Ice Cube is my boss, my friend, and one of the coolest cats I've ever been around in my life. Very kind, very humble. Um, he's, he's amazing. Better than advertised. Well, let's start with something really simple. Nancy, can you tell us where you are in the world and what you've been up to so far today? Uh, well, I, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I am in my home at the moment. I should say Plano, Texas. So every morning I get up and the first two hours of every day are for me, whether it's uh, meditation, reading some, you know, spiritual Bible verses. Um, when I wake up, um, it's a great day. And I always look forward to seeing who and what I can inspire, I send out on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, my thought of the day, my message of the day. I go to work out. We have a facility in uh, Prosper, Texas, about 15 minutes from where I live. So I go in there like today. I did some rehab. Um, I had my knee replaced a couple of years ago. Um, I go in there, uh, rehab. It could be cupping. It could be dry needling. It could be stem it could whatever um kisa or brit decide i need to do then i go into the gym with all the, the football players a lot of dallas cowboys and professional football players um i work out i lift i do my cardio uh then my son tj and i have a, a basketball academy we, uh, we are in a sister suite with um you know apec so we have our basketball academy, this beautiful um, indoor court where athletes train, you know, pros, uh, kids, college. And, you know, I just mess around and shoot. He was in there. He's getting ready to go to Europe. So I was in there today just messing around shooting and left. And this is my only day off because I do the TV for Oklahoma. So we had the game last night. We, uh, we've won four in a row. 
and uh, the youngest team in the NBA is turning heads. Nancy, I can't believe you get all of that done in your day before we even chat. I know it's only early afternoon time. So thank you so much for carving out a little bit of your busy schedule for us. Sure. Nancy, I want to name drop a few of the people that you've worked with. You've okay. had firsthand experience with some great coaches, and I know that you talk to and know so many others. But the names that popped out to me were Pat Summit. Pat Riley and Rick Carlisle, and there's, there's many, many others. But I wanted to ask you, Nancy, from this experience up close, what do you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? It's a great question, Paul. The, the greatest coaches, and I've played for some of the best, as you said, Hall of Famers, is communication. It's how they treat you. Uh, it's not just – obviously, they're, they're tremendous X's and O's, but if you can't communicate and connect, you're coaching human beings. You're not coaching robots. And if, you know, if you think you can just say, do this, do that, do this, do that, because I'm really good at what I do, you're not going to get the desired results that you would hope for. I think it's important to be kind. I think it's important I'm going to tell you, I've been on all sides of this. You know, I've been a player, you know, a great portion of my life. I've been a coach, you know, for 30 years. Uh, I've been a commentator. And the one thing uh, with athletes, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, you know, hockey, soccer, it doesn't matter, is be kind to people. Be firm, but be fair. And everybody has their style. Pat was kind of an in-your-face <laughs> I got that. I got the steely blue eyes a few times, like right here. But I knew she was trying to make me better, even though, you know, sometimes she she actually made me feel uncomfortable a lot. Same thing with Marianne Stanley, my, my college coach, who we won back-to-back national championships. She pushed me. She pushed our team. And that's why, you know, we set the bar uh, for women's collegiate basketball, you know, back in, in the 80s. Pat Riley was Pat Riley. He was tough. You know, when I played for Pat with the Lakers in 81, those legendary three-hour practices were real. They weren't made up or a myth. And But, you know, he had a plan and he had a process and he was trying to get you to understand, you know, what he was looking to do. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, you said it, I've played for the best of the best. And I've learned from them when I got into the coaching profession, the first people I called was Tara Vanderveer, was Pat Summit, was, you know, Pat Riley, um, you know, Rick Carlisle, uh, Bobby Knight, anybody who could help me and I could glean, you know, some knowledge. Uh, I even hired Billy Moore, the Hall of Fame uh, coach who's coached at UCLA, won the championship uh, back in 1978. And uh, she was the coach of the Olympic women's team in, in 1976 when we won the silver, uh, the first time women's basketball was ever an Olympic sport. I called Billy and I asked Billy, would you please come to Detroit? This is 1998. Explain to me why we go from this drill to this drill to this drill to this drill. I've been through it, but I never really understood why we go to whatever progression and put it in layman's terms. And so people have been very kind to me. And, you know, now 
you try to do the same thing. Look at Coach Popovich and the tree he has in the NBA because he was such an incredible mentor to people. And he just, you know, he was hard on you. He'd throw you in the deep end a few times. You'd bob. you think you were drowning. You'd go down for a second time. And then he was the guy jumping in to save you. You know, but sometimes we learn with tough love in anything that we do. Even as a, I'm a mom, I have compassion for my players. uh, We're not perfect, but, you know, we, like I said, we, uh, we can lead with love and kindness and let these extraordinary athletes know that we care about them, not just for their immense talent. Nancy, it's an amazing transition. It's an amazing apprenticeship. But let's go back to that transition in 98 when you went into coaching with the WNBA's Detroit Shock. When you think back on that time now, what do you remember finding most challenging as a new leader? Well, I had just come off the court. and I played at 39 years old the first year of the WNBA for the Phoenix Mercury. To be honest, I really never had thought about coaching. You know, I had been doing TV for a good portion of my life because really there was there was no WNBA and the women's leagues I played in. It happened. It folded. It happened. It folded. I didn't know if I was going to coach. And then Detroit and the Washington Mystics came to me and, you know, they um, they interviewed me both for their job. And I knew Rick Sund, who was the the GM of uh, the Detroit Pistons, because I knew him from Dallas. So I had a comfortability. And I knew that he would help me and mentor me. I think the one thing I realized when I got into Detroit and accepted the job, and there was this huge office, and there was like piles and piles and piles of resumes, secretaries, uh, training, physios, marketing, community relations, coaches, assistant coaches, trainers. My, my little brain was spinning. It was spinning. I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? How am I going to get through this? Because we were expansive, so we didn't have an infrastructure. So, you know, I do have to thank uh, Tom Wilson and Rick Sund and, you know, Doug Collins and so many of the coaches there, you know, for really uh, leaning in and helping me. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a highly organized human being, almost anal organized uh, to a fault. But, you know, just understanding the, the new role that I was in. And then, of course, I had to also coach. And what, you know, people can say, what's your style? How are you going to do things? What's your defensive, you know, schemes and philosophies? And I kept saying, well, you'll see. Well, because I was waiting to see as well. So, um, you know, I hired Sonny Allen. Uh, Sonny Allen, you know, was uh, coaching with the Dallas Mavericks. And I called Sonny up and he's Old Dominion. So, again, we knew each other. And I just missed Sonny. He was he coached Old Dominion in 1975 to the Division Two National Championship. Then he went to SMU. I came and, you know, and went, you know, to um, Old Dominion. I just missed him. And then, you know, we kind of converged in Dallas, you know, years later. And I remember him asking me probably 
10 years before I coached, he called me, he goes, you know, Nance, when you get a coaching job, I'd love to coach with you. And I went, I'm not going to coach. Why would I coach? I love what I do. I get to do TV. I work with young people, kids. I speak. I, you know, I do what I do. And he goes, okay, well, when you get your job, you know, keep me in mind. <laughs> and there it was. I called him from the car after I accepted the job. And I said, Sonny, I would like to hire you as my assistant coach with the Detroit Shock. And then, you know, because I didn't have like a lot of coaches. I, I didn't have that, you know, kind of grouping of coaches. And then, you know, I played for the Dallas Diamonds and Greg Williams was my coach both times. And I called Greg Williams. I said, Greg, would you like to coach in the WNBA with me? Would you uh, have a problem like teaching me everything that you know? Because I need to know what Sonny knows. I need to know what you know. Then I have to formulate my you know, my own structure with their, you know, support. It was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. And, and we go 17 and 13. Um, you know, we had the highest, uh, at, I think at that time, it, it might still be this way, uh, the highest winning percentage of any expansion team in, you know, all of the, the four major sports. We missed the playoffs um, by, on a tiebreaker on the last day of the season. And then our second year, we became the first team in WNBA history um, expansion teams to make the playoffs. So I, I was learning as I was teaching. But I think the, the what I learned from the Pat Summits and the Pat Rileys and the Marion Stanleys and, and Dean Memmingers and Tara Vanderveers and, and Henry Bibby's, uh, I, you know, I learned structure. I learned hard work you know, keep it simple, grind. And that's what we did. So, you know, we, a, a lot of things we want on tenacity and, and the players were receptive to wanting to be better, you know, be better today than you were yesterday. And my job was to give them the why we're doing what we're doing. You know, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. These will be the results. So I'm, I'm more of a minimalist in my approach to success. I want to explore this idea of structure a little bit with you, Nancy, because I've got this terrific quote from you. I'd like to read the quote before I ask you the question. And you say, it's how you treat people. And I know there's no column for this in the statue, but if you lead with love and kindness, and you continue to pour into people in the moments that are tough, because you have a relationship, the ship doesn't have to go south. It's a great quote, but it got me thinking, you know, in this high stakes world of professional basketball, where you have built your life, I imagine that this philosophy is not so common. So I wanted to ask you, where did it come from and how did you develop it? Well, again, I think a lot of uh, what you formulate in your life comes from experiences that you've had. And I had some really great coaches, like I said, who were tough on me. But, you know, I think everybody who really knows me and knows my career um, and, and, and that's been plentiful knows my relationship with Muhammad Ali. And Ali uh, used to tell me when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, he used to say the greatest religion of all is love and kindness. You can get people to do things if you show them love and respect. And we'd have like long conversations. Like I asked him one time. 
uh, I think it was Howard Bingham, the photographer, his friend who took all those like hundreds of thousands of pictures of Ali. And he goes, Nancy, we're in New York and Ali just did an appearance and we're in a limo and we're driving. I don't know. He, I, I might be fudging on the street, but we might be going down Broadway. And we then get like going through Harlem he says, and you know, like in Rocky, there's the, the garbage can that has the fire and people are just warming their hands up there, you know, you know, the underserved community or homeless community. And he says to the limo driver, stop the limo. And the guy goes, sir, we are in the worst part of Harlem. He goes, yeah, uh, please stop the car. And Ali gets out and he goes over to the you know, trash can that it has fire in it to warm these guys up because they're freezing. And he stood out there for, for 25, 30 minutes, just chopping it up and showing love, kindness, respect to strangers who nobody pays attention to. And part of Muhammad's secret sauce, in my opinion, I, you know, I have 40 some odd years in with him, is the fact that he just made people feel special. You know, they call him the people's champ when they stripped him of, you know, his his title, his championship title. And he's the people's champ, not because of what he did in the ring. It's the people's champ because of what he did outside the ring. And, you know, he, he was tough as nails. But, man, he just let people know that he cared. And he backed it up with actions, not words. I mean, we're in life. There's so many people who it's so much noise. It drives me crazy. I, let me tell you how great I am. I mean, uh, Ali never, you know, I mean, Ali was Ali, you know, his phraseology, his rapping was legendary, but he, he backed it up with flat out actionary moments, like getting out of a limo in the dead of cold in New York city in, in Harlem, just to spend some time with strangers this is not, there's people all over the world that have their Muhammad Ali stories. The one story where Ali saw them in an airport or Ali saw them on the street and, and what he did for them. I, I know I'm that person. You know, as I was giving a speech uh, to a company yesterday, Pfizer, you know, the Pfizer forum. Um, and you know, I was talking to the, and, and we're talking about leadership and, you know, people throw the word leadership around all the time. Ah, you know, what a leader, what a leader. Well, you know what a leader is. A leader is an influencer. A leader, you have to actually, you have to give me a reason to want to follow you. A leader leaves. If you don't have anybody following you, you're actually not a leader. And just because you make more money than other people or your title says, you're more important than somebody else doesn't mean you're a leader and you have to show that you have to be consistently consistent in what you do. And that's, that was the common denominator with me, uh, with Kobe Bryant, with somebody like Warren Buffett, you know, like some of the most iconic people in the world, you know, have intentional greatness and I'm unrepped by Octagon, 
And somebody at Octagon said this to me. It might be the nicest compliment I got. They, it might have been like eight, nine years ago. I'm 64 years old. And they said they were in a marketing meeting. And somebody said, how is it? So I might have been 58 or whatever. How is it? Nancy is an athlete from the 80s. Name how many athletes in the 80s are still relevant in 2023. Jordan? Barkley? Name them for me. Help me. I can't and they, even they, think they and they were saying that, and it's like, I thought I had it all in the 80s. I thought I had it all in the 90s. I, you know, so many amazing things have happened to me in my life when I was like this little poor Jewish kid growing up in New York with no food, no father, no heat, no electricity. You know, I, I, I was angry. I was tired of feeling less. I was tired of people telling me how stupid and dumb and I'd never make anything of myself. Nancy, why are you in the street with black kids? What's wrong with you? Ms. Lieberman, what, what, she might need to go see a psychologist. I was getting in fistfights all the time because I felt so bad. And, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know if I was going to kill you, but I didn't know if I was going to kill me, you know, in the 70s. I was just angry of my circumstance. And here you and I are, Paul, in, in 2023, you know, and you you get me polished up as an as a you know a Hall of Fame athlete, as a mom, as a coach or commentator, in everything. You know, God doesn't make mistakes. I mean, I know that I am the right person at the right time for this assignment, and I'm supposed to change people's lives. I wanted to change people's lives in, in Sacramento, whether it was Demarcus, whether it was Seth Curry whether it was Rondo, Bellinelli, Omer Caspi. I, I really feel like when I was 19 and I sat in the plaza December of 79 uh, with Ali, when I, the first time I met him, and he was, I was, couldn't breathe. I was with Muhammad Ali. And he goes, Nancy, God made you special. And I'm like, you know God too? You know everybody. That is amazing. And he, at that point, Paul, he knew I cannot let this girl go. <laughs> I put my wing on her because I cannot let her out without me. In all these years, he would always say to me, God made you special. You're going to shake up the world. You're an influencer. People are going to follow you. People are going to, uh, you know, they're going to listen to you. It's 2023. You know, I just came back, you know, getting the, the Martin Luther King you know, Civil Rights Award from the NBA and the Grizzlies Monday. Are you kidding me? This is not like, let me tell you how great I am. This is me looking at you going, it was amazing. The gratitude that I have, the humility that I have for where I have landed in this world. We're just kind of, everybody's just kind of walking through this life. Right. So what are we doing while we're here? I want to ask you about the work you're doing with your foundation, but I want to, I want to just pause for a minute because when I was learning about you, Nancy, one of the amazing things about your story is, as you just alluded to then, you span, you span America, you span the different groups and societies. 
the black kids who were playing basketball with in Harlem, the world-famous athletes you're coaching now in the big three, your boss is Ice Cube, you know Muhammad Ali, you were a Jewish kid growing up. You are this representation of America. And I imagine as you sit there now at this age of 64, this must give you so much great insight into the into the forces that bind us but also separate us in society. You know, it's a great, it's a great question and statement, but honestly, I, like, I don't wake up thinking, ah, Nancy Lehman. Clearly, I know who I am when I walk outside of my door. I cannot have road rage. Some days I'd like to. Uh, you know, I have to be cognizant of my surroundings. But at the end of the day, my smile makes you smile. You and I have never met. It shows warmth. It shows caring. It's a community, you know, it's a communication to a stranger. I shake hands. I sign autographs. I, I love kids. Uh, I, I love being where I am. I really do because, I mean, at the, at the core of who I am, I, I wake up stupid, like funny stupid. My son says I'm not funny. I think I'm hysterical. I know I'm mildly sarcastic. Okay, so here's my minimalist. You know, I I use humor. I use a little sarcasm. I'm from New York. It's my birthright. But there's a lot of truth in in what I do and what I say. And my job, I want to make other people feel great. I want to show them what the next level is for them. I, my, you know, am I, you know, lift when you rise. If you go up, take somebody with you. The, the African-American community is very, very important to me. Because why? Because when I was going through all that stuff in my childhood, I was championed by the Black community. I, I was protected at Rucker Park. I could walk into the park right now in the middle of the night and I'll be protected. I love my friends there and I love my family there. And my son, you know, he is the same way. And I'm so proud of TJ. Because his friends are all diverse. They don't look like us. There's and, and we treat everybody, you know, with respect. And we want to. And, you know, after going through that museum and seeing the atrocities, it, it broke my heart. Um, it actually made me angry that people would treat, you know, my brothers and my sisters that way uh, with, you know, hitting them with the, the the water hoses, hitting them, you know, sending dog, all, all, they, all, all the African-American community wants. All they want is respect, opportunity, diversity, uh, a seat at the table. I mean, they couldn't even go into a restaurant and sit at the table where somebody says, you can't sit here. When I saw the signs that said colored bathroom, you know, white bathroom only, it's like, you got to be kidding me. The buses that were, were were torched, you know, by the KKK. I have to tell you, I was almost embarrassed as a white person on that tour. It, it hit me just as the effect when I went to Israel and went through the Holocaust Museum. You know, I, I really believe that that the the African American community and the Jewish community should be in lockstep. Because those are the two of the, the greatest atrocities in, in our lifetime. 
and the, the slavery started so much earlier. What, what, what the black community went through was unfathomable. And, you know, it's important for us to work hard and to have understanding and not just go, ah, you know, it happened. So what are we all doing here, right? We're coaching, we're doing things better. We're elevating people. There's nothing wrong with equality. I want equality. I, I'm a minority as a woman. You know, why is there Title IX? There's Title IX because there wasn't equality for women educational opportunities. We just had the 50-year anniversary of Title IX. And all of this filters into sports. So, I mean, I could be on this podcast right now. I'll draw you a play. I'll draw you last second, end of game, sideline, out of bounds, full court. I'll draw you any play you want because I'm I'm a demon for drawing this stuff up. I love it. But to get human beings to run your stuff, you have to have empathy. You have to have understanding. And I want to know Katino Mobley. He's one of the finest people I've ever been around. He's a great dad to Miles and Sam. He comes home and he cooks for them. He's, you know, he, he, he's just, you know, he could have been a movie star with his looks and how he dresses, his fashion. He's a great player, was then, is now, captain of, of my team, Corey Maggette, uh, you know, Birdman. Uh, Quentin Richardson, uh, one of the great professionals I've had the pleasure of coaching. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable the people who keep coming into my life and pouring into me. It's it's 360. It's not just me into them. I get better being around uh, Seth Curry or Steph or you know Kevin Love or you know Shay or, or Lou Dort. I, I just. Uh, I fangirl still about some of the people that I meet because it, it makes me happy to be around them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Could I ask you about two other people you've met? At least, and I think there's been, you may have known a couple more, but you know at least two ex-presidents. And I've heard you talk about your meeting with President Obama and how he encouraged mm. you to contri- continue to try and make the not-so-normal 
an African-American in the White House, a female coaching men, how he wanted you to make that normal. But the more I read about you in preparing for today and the more footage I looked at, the more times I listened to you speak, I'm not sure if, if that is your mission. And so I wanted to ask you, how would you would describe the mission that you're on? What gets you out of bed every day? What pushes you forward? To be better, to be, you know, to be better at who I am and to enjoy life. I mean, if you don't enjoy life, people wake up miserable. I have been in sports as a non-professional since I was eight. Football was my first sport. Then baseball was my best sport. And then I landed on basketball because that eventually ended, you know, took me to the Olympics in high school. And so that was my fast track, you know, really to get out of the hood and, and to, to change my life's direction. And I needed to get out of New York and I needed to get out of Far Rockaway. I needed to, to be around other places. And there, you, you know, I, again, this might sound however it sounds, but, you know, um, in October, Old Dominion unveiled that statue of myself in, in front of uh, the practice right by the arena and practice facility. And I was standing there and Jay Harris was, you know, emceeing my, my brother. I love him from ESPN. He's the best. And I'm looking out there and I'm thinking, there's my coach, Marianne Stanley. There's my friend, Wendy Larry, the coach, one of the greatest women's coaches, certainly in Old Dominion history, her and Wendy. Uh, I had people, uh, Harry and Pam Lozon, who I lived in their house when I was 18 years old. Harry became like a dad to me. So they knew me when I was the runt of the litter. <laughs> um, they, they saw me in, you know, the my thirties and forties. Then I had my teammates there. Then I had friends who I grew up with in far Rockaway when we were just playing street ball, softball, all those, you know, running bases, all those things that we did for activity. And then the old Dominion women's basketball team was there. Today's team, they didn't have to be there, but they were. And it was just, uh, it was just this like, pendulum of people on both sides and we were all commiserating because you don't get a statue because of you you get a statue because of everybody else right a champion is is the one who lifts everybody else on their shoulders it's not the opposite i'm nothing without my teammates i'm nothing without players players decide probability and outcome you know, I, I don't shoot. You know, I'm not winning games in the big three. Catino, Catino hit the game-winning basket a couple years ago when we won the championship. Not me. But my job is to celebrate people, not tolerate people. And I think too, so many people are too busy nitpicking at people. Who cares? I mean, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we're all flawed. But what can we do to empower people? And that's what I try to do when I get out of bed every day. It starts in my house. It starts with my son. It starts, you know, it's, it starts out with my dogs. I love them, my dogs. I don't kick my dogs. They're hungry. I don't go, sorry, wait. No, I go feed my dogs. <laughs> and 
you know, a, a lot of my days is built on, on humor. You know, I mean, we all have tough days. I mean, I just lost my mom, in, you know, the end of May. Um, that's why I left the NBA, you know, because I had to make a life choice. And it was just me and Becky. And I thought, man, there's a lot of responsibility here for her and for me. But at the end of the day, right, it, we say it's, it's faith, it's family, it's job. But man, when you get to the NBA, that's pretty big stuff for a chick. And I, I went to Vlade and I said, I have to be with my mom, not knowing if I would ever get a job again. I don't know. And, you know, here I am, uh, you know, I got covered by Cube, picked up the phone and said, hey, I heard about your mom. I hope she's okay. We sure would love for you to be, you know, a, a head coach in the big three. You know, the phraseology, we would love for you to be the first female head coach in a men's professional basketball league. And I remember him also saying to me, and you can tell your agent, you'll be the highest paid coach. You'll make what Dr. J makes, Michael Cooper, George Gervin, Rick Mahorn, uh, Rick Barry, you know, uh, Gary Payton. You'll make what they make. I was like, okay. It's pretty cool, right? When you have somebody like that that you're working for. I I don't know if I'll get another chance in the NBA. I hope so. You know, I mean, people are, we're all in our own world. So, you know, there are NBA coaches. They don't know why I left, I'm sure. They don't know if I got fired. They don't know if I quit because I couldn't take it. They don't know. And I didn't get fired. And I'm very thankful uh, to Vlade Divac and Peja Stoyakovic for their kindness and support and Dave Yeager for understanding I needed to be with my mom. So who knows what will happen? Who knows, Nancy? I want to ask you, though, you, you alluded to something before when you were talking. You alluded to it in your TED Talk as well. And you spoke a little bit about it earlier and you said, I didn't know if I was going to be alive or not. It was a bit of a small comment, but I wanted to ask you about mind monsters. I think you call them and what you've learned about managing them yourself, but also helping all these young people that you've been leading, that you've been coaching deal with their own mind monsters. I, I believe that, and I know this, yeah, I, I don't believe, I know this as a fact. I have friends who, it's it's like this. I can pass the ball. It can get stolen. Coach can get mad at me. They can take me out of the game. Somebody can come in. Somebody can play better than me. I might never get to play. I might get traded. I might get cut. In my mind, that's mind monsters. I do not think like that. Maybe I think a lot like a guy. I let a lot, a lot of stuff roll off my back and I, I don't have like 5,000, you know, thoughts. I, I know, you know, like I used to tell some of my players, by the time you're sitting there thinking about what to do, the play's not there any longer. And you, you know, you, you got to, you got to, don't play the play, play the game. You got to feel the game. You got to see the game. You've got to react to the game. And you, the same thing in life. 
And so that's why I believe it's so important to have good self-esteem and, 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 you know, accountability, uh, to understand you have to be strong and, and it all goes back to one thing. You have to love yourself. And that is what I didn't do when I was younger. I didn't love myself because I was broken and I was hiding behind as a young person, Nancy Lieberman, the basketball player who everybody applauded and patted me on the back and told me how great I was. But it, you know, in the dark, it was dark. I didn't know if I was, like I said, going to kill you. I didn't know if I was going to kill me. I was so unhappy. I couldn't see a path to happiness because of my circumstances. And I didn't have uh, the people around me. Think about it. You're a kid from the 60s and 70s. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a tomboy. I'm this. I'm that. I, I got so tired of the Nancy Camp moments. Nancy, you can't do that. Nancy, you'll never make that. Nancy, that's not going to happen for you. Nancy, that doesn't happen for little girls. You know, and I think one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is my relationship, you know, um, with God. I mean, my family's Jewish. I'll always be Jewish, but I do. I do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do. I mean, I, I'm pretty set in my backcourt. I've got Jesus and Moses. So I, they're not being traded anytime soon. I'm going to build around them. But that is what gives me my peace. And, you know, then the Ali factor where Ali knew this. And, you know, um, the greatest love of all. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all is inside of me. He knew that I did not love me. How can you love somebody else if you do not love you? That was the secret to, to my, you know, evolution. He taught me to love me. And that's what I try to do with people. You know, I, I try to get people to love themselves and to respect themselves and to take care of themselves. I'm a mom. My job is to take care of my son and, and, and it was to take care of my husband and take care of people around me. That's what I do on the regular. I have learned to take care of me too. It's not selfish. It's, it's preservation. And so when I'm around, you know, around my players, I'm always inquisitive. I ask questions. I'm not a hotline, 1-800-CALL-NANCY. I'm not a hotline, but I'm aware enough to look at a player in practice. You know, I can remember seeing Ben McLemore, such a, 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 a tremendous player, beautiful smile. There were days he was in practice stretching, and he, he looked like he was so sad. I would just sit down on the floor next to him and go, Ben, you have the most beautiful smile. Is there something wrong? Do you want to talk? If you do, I'm here. Anytime. Rondo, tell me about Pierre. Love to know more about your kiddos. Demarcus, tell me about your grandma. Tell me about mom. How easy is that? I mean, how easy is that, you know, to be able, you know, to just help somebody? And, and see if they're okay. 
and check on them and just help them, you know, get through whatever, you know, that moment is that they're dealing with right now. That's how I coach. That's how I manage. That's how I work. That's how I parent. And I will say it again. I am so far from perfect. But when I'm having a really crappy day, I think uh, I try to do something for somebody else. So it takes the emphasis off of me where I'm like, God, just help me here. I'm really struggling today. And, you know, I just put myself out there. I don't worry about, oh, my gosh, you know, somebody's going to think I'm not super human. This is how I live my life. Nancy, I read your book from 2010, you're preparing to today. The book's called Playbook for Success. And what caught my eye was, I actually, I lived in the Czech Republic for eight years. And on the inner uh, flap of the book, there is a quote from the amazing Martina Navratilova, of course, one of the most famous Czechs in modern times. And her quote was this, caught my eye. It says, Nancy's combination of acute street smarts, phenomenal athletic ability, and straight up business acumen makes for a great how-to guide for all business women. Now, I you talked about earlier the fact that you'd been in speaking to Pfizer, so I know that you also overlap the corporate world. And I know you're also very passionate about equality in all its different shapes and sizes. But when you do speak to women today about progressing in the corporate world, what are the top pieces of, pieces of advice you give them? Well, it's, you know, we're certainly growing. Um, we're growing in corporate America. We have more female CEOs than we've ever had um, before in history. Uh, men want to learn. Uh, it, you know, I don't, I don't think they sit there and go, no, you know what? I am not going to work for you. It's a, it's a new day and age, and it's collaborative. And I tell women that first and foremost, be prepared, be ready for your moment. We talked about communication, um, 360 communication. People in the workplace want to be heard. And, you know, even um, even at home with my son, I can't get, well, TJ, this is what you have to do. Blah, blah, blah. Tell me what you think. Because if somebody feels that their voice is important, they're going to come to work the next day because they're going to think they can be an influence and help to the company. Just because, you know, you're the leader doesn't mean you can't take in, as I'm saying, information. So, uh, you know, those are the things that I talk to them about. You have to be prepared for your moment. You can't be afraid. Respect everybody. Fear nobody. You know, I, I wouldn't be in. Uh, I, I certainly would learn a little bit of sports because, you know, I, I'm on quite a few boards and a lot of them, the boards, you know, are, have men. And before we get things going, you know, it, you could be talking about, you know, the Australian Open and, you know, Nadal le- losing or getting hurt or, you know, you can talk about the New York Yankees or this or that. And now, again, you're, you're kind of cutting through the clutter and you're finding allies. So important to have allies and, you know, that th- those friendships, you don't have to be like, you know, besties with everybody. But I mean. Don't you want to don't you want to work with people you actually like as opposed to people you don't like? You know, it makes coming to work so much easier 
while we're grinding and while we're trying to be great, while we're trying to, you know, you know, bring our stock up or we're trying to, you know, make, you know, inroads in an industry or, you know, grow women in technology where in, in 2013 to today, it's grown 27% women in technology. That was an area, right? Girls don't like math and science. Who started that rumor? I don't know who started that rumor when I was a kid. What do we like knitting? I mean, we were, we were being, you know, pigeonholed back when I was in PS 104. I never thought about it, but I'd like to go back and find out that person who told me girls don't like math and science. I do like math. I do like science. And, you know, so those are the things we have to continue in leadership capacities to be CEOs. And you have to know, you also have to be able to not micromanage everything. Give people a chance to do their thing. And if they don't do it and it's not productive, you know, I mean, I, I looked at the sports pages today and I saw a lot of NFL coaches being let go. Offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Apparently somebody didn't think they did their job. It's going to happen. Nancy, you talked about gratitude a minute <laughs> And I know that one of the things that you're very passionate about is the Nancy Lieberman Foundation that has a mentor program called Each One Teach One. I'd really like to know a little bit more about it and maybe even a story that illustrates the change you're hoping to make in the world. Well, uh, Nancy Lieberman Charities is a children's charity. And, you know, um, in 1974, I was 15 years old and I made a USA tryout. When I came home, I was so excited. And I said, Mama, Mama, you're not going to believe this. I just made this USA tryout at Queens College. And I'm going to Albuquerque, New Mexico for the next stage of the tryouts. And she goes, Nancy, like hell you are. I can't even put food on the table. How am I going to fly you to Albuquerque, New Mexico? So um, Barbara Sackowitz, my high school assistant principal, took a can of corn. She opened it, she cleaned it, took the label off, and then she put an envelope. And on it, she hand wrote, we're endeavoring to raise $300 to send Nancy Lieberman to the USA tryouts. That was it. Taped it on. This can, I actually have the can, by the way, from 74. This can went door to door all over Far Rockaway. And people put change, five, ones, Tens, I don't even know who they had put money in there. Strangers changed my life. And I go to Albuquerque, make that tryout, get put in the big camp with all the All-Americans, the Ann Myers, the Pat Summits, Lucy Harris's Hall of Famers. And I look back, you know, once I turned professional, I thought, there's a lot of Nancys out there that don't have the, the wherewithal. So the, uh, the Islamic charities, like our pillars, uh, we do dream courts. And a dream court, it was, my, it was my dream to be on a court because that court saved me. And once I was in the court, I felt empowered and strong and protected and free, and I could breathe. And everybody on that court, it was a, a communal court. It was black, white, young, old, girl, boy, you know, a Latino, Asians, it didn't matter. 
it was a safe haven. So I said, let's build these dream courts. So we started building these dream courts. As of today, we have 117 dream courts open, over 5.1 million kids a year on these courts. And they've become pop-up classrooms. Because, you know, Nancy, the best 2.3 student at Old Dominion, um, I'm sure in history, um, I, I didn't want to raise my hand because I didn't want to be wrong. Because if I was wrong, people might laugh at me. Then I get into another fist fight. I just could not do that anymore. So when I was on a court, I felt free. I could try things. I could ask questions. I never worried about being right or wrong. So I realized everybody learns differently. Then we, we have STEM. We have uh, financial literacy. We have kids and cops programs. We have a civic engagement and we have career readiness and we have these, you know, curriculums that we give to the boys and girls clubs, to the park and rec, to the girls Inc., wherever we give these dream courts and we gift them. We just finished doing in, in, in 20, uh, in 2022, we did three dream courts for Vanessa Bryant. We did uh, the Kobe Gigi court in uh, Anaheim, where their love story started across from Disney. Then we did two in Lower Marion, PA, where Kobe um, grew up. I actually went to his childhood house. Um, I mean, it, it's tragic, but at least their legacy when kids come on these courts. We've, we've done courts for Ice Cube and Billy Crystal. And you don't have to be a celebrity to have a court. We'll put these anywhere in communities that needed. Uh, we've sent 90 high school seniors to college and we just don't like pay the bursar's office. We, we communicate with the kids. They have to give us, you know, four hours each semester. They shadow first responders. Uh, we can help them with, with uh, resumes, with internships, with paid jobs when they come out. We bring them back to Dreamball the next you know, a couple of years later, they get to speak to the next graduating class of kids who get scholarships. You know, we, we, we've pivoted a little bit and you know, now kids are going to HBCUs. Uh, we have a racial and uh, social justice lecture series where we go to four HBCU colleges and we go to four HBCU high schools and we, we talk it out. And the kids, remember that 360 communication? We can't be on the stage just going, this is how it is. No, tell us, talk to us, what's on your mind. So we, you know, it's been so amazing, you know, education, health, mental health, um, you know, social, racial justice, multicultural, you know, programming. I, I'm telling you all these things, you know, we raise millions and millions of, don't, you know, we've donated over $20 million since 1980. That wasn't my game plan. It, oh, so many of these things just have organically happened. And I'm so proud. It's sometimes I scratch my head. And I'm like, this is crazy. Nancy, I would like to finish with one last question, if I could. Now, you say that your legacy is what you do for other people. And in the distant, distant future, long into the future by the sounds of it, when you do finish coaching, 
If we go back and we ask these people what you did for them, what do you hope they say? I hope people say that I was fair but firm and I made them better and there was a lot of humor, truth and some sarcasm, but you know, I just hope I, I've affected people's lives in a, in a positive way and they knew that I cared. I think uh, positive energy affecting people's lives in a positive way and showing them you cared is a is a great way to finish. Nancy, it's been a thrill for me spending an hour with you today. It's a great little <laughs> jolt of energy before I begin my weekend here in Australia and I want to thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye now. Hi everyone, it's Jim here. You've been listening to the great coach Nancy Lieberman. I hope you enjoyed Nancy's thoughts and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room or boardroom table for discussion. When I listened back, the other key highlights for me were how the route to being stronger as a person and having better self-esteem is to love yourself. How when someone feels that their voice is important, they'll be more committed to the team or organization. The foundation that she runs that has so far built 117 dream courts to help over 5 million children. And her belief that the great leaders are consistently consistent. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Matt Bamford who said, love the interviews and have gone back to them more than once. Geez, thanks Matt. It's the interaction with people from around the world who listen give us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. If you're interested in helping us create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests share with us, then you can sponsor us through Patreon. Those details and all the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.